Throughout 1944, as a 23-year-old squadron leader of the Royal Air Force, I flew and served with the 100th Fighter Wing of the 9th United States Army Air Force. As the 9th Air Force was new and in the process of forming, I and several other experienced RAF pilots were posted to them for an indefinite period. During the morning of the 6th of July, 1944, I took off from Lashenden in Kent and flew my P-51 Mustang to the airfield A-2 in Normandy, France. I remember that week or so following the arrival of our headquarters contingent at Kriegville as a time of rumour and confusion. My logbook shows that not only did I fly the P-51 regularly throughout and beyond the battle area, but I also took the Fairchild, packed to the gunnels with passengers and equipment, back and forth to England, crossing and recrossing the channel several times. Then news was received that the wing would be moving to the A-27 airfield at Rennes. Arriving at my new home in Rennes, I found myself again accommodated in a tent and, as before, surrounded by unpleasant-looking minefields. I saw that the runways were in a very poor state, breaking up in places. Our disparate gaggle of about eight aircraft was parked in one corner of the airfield. There were heaped masses of equipment and baggage everywhere, and in the middle of the landing ground, scores of dumpy P-47s, still wearing their black and white invasion stripes, were interspersed with minor groups of grazing cattle. On about the 18th of August... I was heading for our aircraft on the line, intending again to take the P-51 towards the battle area up north. As I drew near, however, I was greatly surprised to see another fighter parked within yards of my intended mount, one I recognised immediately as a Spitfire. It was a Mark 9B, the type we had used so successfully in the Biggin Hill Wing in 1942-1943. to A Spitfire, for heaven's sake! To encounter a Spitfire at least 100 miles south of its normal operating area and in the American sector was about as strange as coming across a camel in Trafalgar Square. On the 26th of August, the 100th Fighter Wing headquarters was ordered to move forward to the town of Le Mans, about 80 miles to the east of Rennes. The remaining NCOs of the communications flight, having already packed their equipment, were about to leave when they saw they had a problem. What were they to do about the Spitfire? No one had yet collected it, and as most other residents of the airfield had already departed, it would be left for the French peasantry to vandalise. Unless, of course, the squadron leader took it into his care. They faced me with silent, inquiring looks. How did I feel? I had already decided to fly the P-51 to Le Mans, when I was forced to consider their dilemma. It took me all of five seconds to make up my mind. The P-51 could be left for someone else to fly, and I would take the Spitfire to Le Mans. Finding a pencil and paper, I scribbled a note. The note said simply, To whom it may concern, have taken Spitfire 3WK to Le Mans. And I signed my name. No one in any disciplined organisation would be allowed to take possession of a military aircraft, employ it as a private armed taxi for many months and use thousands of gallons of government fuel 
without being discovered and then brought to account. But, I am happy to add, this particular culprit was not brought to account, and surprisingly did, in due course, agree, even at ninety-two years of age, to write a book entitled The Silver Spitfire. 